Welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. This is Reggie Etheridge welcoming you to the radio program for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring what God is doing in the hearts and lives of coaches and athletes in Idaho. Now, here are your hosts. Well, hey, folks, welcome to the Heart of the Athlete, the local FCA radio show here on KBXL 94.1 FM, The Voice. I'm Ken Lewis on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in Idaho. And, uh, I want to welcome to the show my good friend, Jason Shetro. Jason, welcome to Heart of the Athlete. Oh, thanks for having me, Ken. Appreciate it. You bet. Well, here we are, Saturday before Christmas. Wow. Time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I can't believe we're already done almost with 2023. Yeah, man, it's gone by fast. And What are some of the favorite things, Jason, that you have that are in your life and your family's life about Christmas for you guys? Well, I mean, I think I think what I really enjoy about Christmas is that we get to slow down, you know, and and just take time to, you know, all the I hate to say this, but all the sports are done for a while. They're right. kind of like put on the shelf, right. and we're able to really connect, you know, as a family. And we're not running around, you know, doing a hundred other things, but we're able to really slow down and focus on really what's important. And yeah. we try to do that every day, anyway. But especially starting in December, we start doing it. We go through an Advent that we have, and um, really make that a, a very intense focus. Yeah, that's cool. How, how old are your kids now? So I, my oldest is 17, and then I've got a, a oldest daughter, and then I have a 15-year-old daughter, 12-year-old son, and a 7-year-old daughter. So, wow. yep. And they it's, all love sports. It's busy. <laughs> yes. It's a busy house. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, well, hey, we're sitting here, like we said, right before Christmas. Uh, we just got done with the, the bowl breakfast yesterday, and we got the the famous Idaho Potato Bowl is later today there at Bronco Stadium or Albertsons. I still call it Bronco <laughs> Stadium. Albertsons, yep. Yeah, Albertsons. And uh, I know the Idaho Potato is going to be there. Lots of free French fries and and uh, great tailgating kinds of stuff there for Utah State and Georgia State. In fact, the, the head coach for Utah State, Blake Anderson, he came to the Mountain West Conference in Utah State. He was the head coach at Arkansas State and uh, down in Arkansas. And what town in Arkansas is that? I, you know, I, you got me there. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. It's a, all I know is there's a pipeline to, to coaches in, yeah, in, in the Mountain West. Oh my gosh. And the SEC too. Yes. I mean, so was it, was it Hugh? Hugh Freeze? Hugh Freeze, I believe, was there or Gus. Gus Malzahn was there. Yeah. Gus Malzahn. Yeah. And, and so was Eli Drinkwitz. Mm-hmm. Eli Drinkwitz, I think, was a GA for Gus mm-hmm. at Auburn. Yep. And then Gus got the job at Arkansas. Eli followed him there. And then Eli stayed through Gus. And then there was somebody else. And then Harson. Mm-hmm. Then when Coach Harson, Brian Harson, came to Boise State, he brought Eli here to Boise. That's when I got to know right. Eli. And my daughter's actually babysat for him, oh, huh. his wife. And then uh, Eli was the tight ends coach for year one when they won the Fiesta here in 14. And then I think it was the OC. And then left for North Carolina State. Yep. And then now he's at head coach of Missouri. So yeah, you're right. It's a pipeline. So give back the uh, current coach, Utah State, Blake Anderson. He was the Grant Taft FCA coach of the year for division one or NCAA division one football coaches back in 2019. Mm-hmm. So he loves the Lord. And uh, of course we had uh, rocket Ishmael at the bowl breakfast and folks, you're going to get a chance to listen to rocket Ishmael, former Notre Dame. He was a national champ at Notre Dame mm-hmm. electric player. Gosh, wasn't he? He was. Oh, kick return, punt return, kick return, and wide receiver for Notre Dame. And then went to the Argonauts, played there one year in the CFL, won the Grey Cup with the Argonauts, and he was the MVP. And then I think that's when he came to the NFL after mm-hmm. he was there. 
He played for the Raiders. Yep. Cowboys and Panthers. So he was fun to watch. Yeah, he was. We got the the bowl game here, but we got other bowls going on too. And and by the way, folks, you know Jason is a is a writer, and we're going to talk about some more of that that a little later. But you but you write about sports, right? You've been doing that yeah. for quite a while, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I've been uh, since I moved here to Boise in uh, two thousand seven. I've been uh, helping out the Associated Press covering Boise State football games for them, and also some basketball games and any other you know sports and stuff around the around the state working for I've written some for idahosports.com and mm-hmm. Idaho Press out in in Nampa as well but all, other national stuff as well. So yeah, I have a long history before I came out here. Yeah, cuz you were in you were in Georgia, right? University of Georgia? Yes, University of Georgia. We're going to talk about my my dogs later. Yeah, Hopefully. yeah, uh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> but no, we uh yeah, but I was able to cover all the Atlanta teams, uh the pro teams, the Falcons, cover them in a the Super Bowl. I want I think it was Elway's last game. He beat the the Falcons down in Miami. Uh, covered the Braves in a World Series a couple times. Um, covered Final Four. I mean, just all kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening uh, when I was in Atlanta about that time, including the Olympics in '96. It was, you know, those were some great days. But kind of put those days behind me a little bit, and uh, but still dabble in sports and can't get away from it too much. It's just yeah. too much fun. Wow, that's great. How, how does that work when you write a, an article for the AP, you say here in Boise, mm-hmm. and you, you transmit that, send it off to the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. Where where all does that go? Uh, well, it goes to all the papers that subscribe to their uh, okay. program. So, so newspapers, yeah. So newspapers are I mean, hardly. I mean, now it's more. I, I mean, I have some friends that work in newspapers, and they don't even call it that anymore. They're like, we're a media outlet, you know. So it's uh, there's so few newspapers. Uh, you know, the the subscription numbers are so few because uh-huh. everybody gets their news online now. So, but yeah, that's who it goes to. Um, it's going out to all those all those uh, outlets, whether they're you know big name, like maybe ESPN. They also subscribe to, to AP's reporting. Um, so they may pick up an article that you do. Right. They pick them up or, you know, any major newspaper in yeah. the country and around the world. I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing where all that goes and their, their reach everywhere. Yeah. So how, how many years you've been fo- doing uh, following sports and writing sports here? Um, oh, well, well, I mean, since I moved here in 2007, okay. I've been doing some stuff at first. I didn't, you know, right away, didn't start working with AP, but I would, I would write for uh, other particularly football, I would cover, you know, another team was springing somebody to town, you know, or another, you know, another opposing team was coming in. They didn't send all their writers and they needed an extra writer. Yeah. I'd get hired on to do something like that, uh, write features about players, things like that, you know, from a college perspective. Mm-hmm. I did some, you know, covering uh, when we had a uh, NBA or MBDL, you know, the, <laughs> the D-League team, yeah. uh, Antoine Walker. I did a big story on Antoine Walker, I think for uh, the Sporting News and some other outlets. I mean, it was huh. everywhere, you know, that I was writing stuff wow. for, you know, it was, it was great. Good times, but uh, there's not as many as there used to be uh, opportunities and things like that, but it's uh, yeah, it's always been fun to, to be around the sports and, and what, you know, with the talk to the players yeah. and the coaches and everything. Well, that's great. So you, man, you're coming up on almost 20 years, 16 years. Yeah, here. No, it's a I long know. time. Yeah. We're not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get started in writing? Well, I, uh, when I was a kid, I used to read. There's a. I used to read the paper all the time. Way my my love for Me newspapers. Too. Yes, I mean, like back in the day, all the stats, right? right? The stats. baseball stats. Exactly. My dad was like, "You are obsessed," and I would <laughs> I would write all this stuff down. I would cut out all. I was a big Braves fan, so I used to cut oh. out all the Braves box scores. But I really like uh, newspapers. Introduced me to writing and sports writing in particular. When I used to live, I lived in England um, when my dad was in the military, and my grandfather. Back in 1979, came to visit us, and he brought me a baseball by this 
brand new catcher for the Braves named Dale Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was back before <laughs> he could throw the ball on a line to second base and kept throwing it over into, into center field. And eventually, uh, by the next season, they moved him to center field. So they were like, we'll use your big arm out there better. Uh, and he kind of rose to start him there. But uh, anyway, I had never seen a baseball game living in England. There was only soccer and rugby and cricket. And uh, so I told my dad I wanted to you know, watch baseball. We went and watched uh, some games on the Little League base. And then that was all I'd ever seen was just a, like a t-ball game or a coach wow. pitch. And then I started following it in the newspaper. And I'd ask my dad, what does this mean? What's an RBI? What is this? And that's how I learned to the sports. But that's how I got interested in you know, newspapers and writing. And then I started writing in when I was uh, in eighth grade. I did not make the B-team basketball team. And it wasn't a case of, you know, Michael Jordan, where I was, you know, some great athlete that got passed over. I was really terrible. Um, And so, but I was still friends with all the players and I wanted to travel with them. So I went to the games, kept stats, and then I would call the newspaper with what happened. And so eventually I was like, I can write what they're writing and I'm going to try it. So I would, after the games, I would write it up and then I'd call it in and I'd say, hey, can I just give you what I wrote? And they started saying, sure, that saves us some time. And so I would dictate, you know, my three or four paragraphs. It wasn't a big deal. And that's how I started. And then eventually I wow. got a job at the paper a couple of years later when I was a sophomore in high school. So, Wow. That's, yep. that's a cool story. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, Jason, how did you, uh, how'd you come to the, know the Lord? Well, um, this also happened <clears throat> when I was in England. You know, my, my parents were, you know, my very, you know, real strong Christians. Uh, my dad was an Air Force fighter pilot at the time. Uh, eventually went to the ministry. So I, most of my life, I grew up as a as a PK. Okay. Um, but there was a time where I why I wasn't, and my dad, you know, what I loved about him is even no matter no matter what he was doing, he was still sharing the gospel with people. Mm. And we were always had people in our house, and the gospel was always being talked about. Wow. You know, whether it was people that we met when we like when we lived in England, whether it was you know locals or it was people you know other uh, people from the base that we met because we lived off base, and my dad's like, we're out here in England, we're going to live like the English. You know, we lived in this big, or we lived actually on the estate of someone. It's similar to like, uh, um, you know, this big three-story Suffolk pink house. These people oh, yeah, were, yeah. they were Lord and Lord and Lady Cranworth. <laughs> and we lived in a flat that had been, uh, you know, kind of converted into a barn. But we would invite people in to talk. You know, my dad always had people over for dinner. Anybody, the mechanic or, you know, the guy he met at the baker bakery, you know, it didn't matter. Like we were always doing that. So anyway, I grew up around that and, you know, it became... I, I, you know, made my profession when I was little. I got baptized in the North Sea when we still lived over there. Wow. But really later on in life, I, I was, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, going to FCA and being mm-hmm. a part of that, you know, for, as, you know, my, my high school years was really impactful and being around other kids that were serious about their faith. And it mm-hmm. really became my own. So yeah. it's kind of how I That's came cool. to the Lord. What did you uh, enjoy about being involved with FCA when you were a kid? Well, you know, for me, it, it was kind of hard a little bit because I, there were a lot of kids that were that were in it just because it was a cool club or whatever. But there were enough kids in there that I connected with. Like I could tell who the kids who were real serious about it mm-hmm. was. And it was just, you know, and I went to a private school. So there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of kids that were, you know, there, they had everything they could want. They didn't, a lot of them didn't really feel like they needed the Lord, you know, but there were some kids that were. And so being able to connect. They had the reliance on other stuff material stuff yes yeah exactly i mean that's a polite way of putting it but it wasn't it wasn't just i mean they weren't really going for it with the lord but then there were you know there were some and you could you could sense that that there was an excitement about the lord and there was something like this is real to us this isn't just a a club that we go to Mm -hmm. we're all you know we may all play sports i mean not not even all of them played sports but most of them played you know were pretty highly involved in, in athletics 
but you know it was really cool to be able to connect with them and develop those bonds and mm-hmm. we start some of us started our own small groups or bible studies at the wow. time um you know so that spin off yeah i mean like even after we graduated and i still stay in touch with a lot of those oh, same cool. kids today and we you know all still walk with the lord it's that's really amazing. cool that's cool yeah wow praise god yeah well and that's how we got connected at church when mm-hmm. i think i think it was our pastor that yeah. told me about you and then then that's part of you moving up here and moving you know, your publishing company up here and, mm-hmm. and you write, and we're going to still talk about your writing, but uh, we want to talk about these other bowl games transition. <laughs> yes. We're about halfway through. And by the way, folks, if you're just joining us here on heart of the athlete, visiting with uh, author and friend of mine, Jason Chetro. So kind of, you know, some big stuff here with Florida state being undefeated in the ACC. They're the conference champs, but didn't make it in the top four, which makes it into the playoffs. This, this is the last year of the, the 14 playoffs. So, mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have Georgia that lost one game, a tight game, in the conference championship SEC. Mm-hmm. They're the two-time reigning champs, and they were ranked number one. And both those teams don't make it in the top four. Right. What are your thoughts on this? And you've had a lot. Ah. You're a big Georgia <laughs> fan, right? Well, you know, that's the thing. I, I drive. You're a writer. You right, stay I mean, objective. I try to stay objective. I, I do drive some of my friends crazy back home because they're like, you know, how can You've been out. You've been gone from SEC country for too long. They they brainwashed you out there, out west. And I'm like, I've always tried to be as objective as I can about it. And yes, you know, as far as Georgia goes, I mean, it, you know, I, I it's a shame that they're then they're not in it. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, this year was very unique. I think it's you tough. can right. I mean, you can you know, most years you could complain about it and have a legitimate complaint. Like I don't think there's been many years where a one loss SEC champ or SEC team. That's been number one all year and just lost in the championship game doesn't get in. Right. They they've put two teams in quite a few years. Yeah. But I don't think that, you know, as far as for in this particular year goes, you know, too bad. You know, like I mean, I don't care. You it's hard to pass over all these other teams that did stuff. Um, and I think Texas gets the nod as a one loss team because you beat Alabama, you beat the SEC champ. Mm-hmm. And maybe my, I don't know, maybe my SEC friends are claiming Texas already because they're going to be in the SEC next year. But <laughs> they're like, we got two teams in anyway. We wanted to get three. But I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I don't think you have much complaint there. FSU, on the other hand, I think has a major beef. And my problem with that is, uh, with them not getting in, is the assumptions that are being made over, yes, they don't look like the same team, which was crazy to me, especially some of the stuff I heard about them in the ACC championship game. Well, that guy that was quarterbacking their, you know, their third string freshman is not going to be the quarterback. Tate Rotemaker, who came out of Valdosta, where I used to be the sports editor, way down, give a shout out to Valdosta. Um, <laughs> it's a great high school football program. But, um, but he, you know, he'll be playing in that game. And he did, I thought he did a, a fairly decent job in his first start in the swamp. You know, it's not an easy place to play for anybody. So, to think that they're not going to be the same team, therefore, right. you know, they because they lost their, you know, uh, Jordan Travis, they're not going to be as good. So, you know, we can't, we have to throw them aside and we're going to put Alabama in. To me, that was just, I think that gave them a convenient excuse. I think it would have been, you know, if he was healthy, they're, they're going to have to leave. They would have to have led, uh, let, left Alabama out, mm-hmm. um, maybe. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I still don't, wouldn't convince that they would have, you know, right. in, that, in that situation. Because you can't, you couldn't have them jump Texas. I mean, that would be absurd. But right. I mean, not surprise. It wouldn't surprise me. But I just I feel for Florida State. I have a lot of friends that are Florida State fans, and I, it's a travesty. I mean, it's so so. I mean, it is. I mean, like yeah. on some level, yeah. like you yeah. get you work that we all know as athletes. You know, you work so hard, and you get to a position where you get a chance to do something, and you're told you work hard, you go undefeated, you get a chance. Yeah. 
you don't get a chance to do it. You know, like it's not fair. Like it's like you worked hard, you did everything right, and then somebody just comes in and says, "Nope, not you. We don't we don't think you're any good because one player out of you know eighty five on the roster is injured." And it's it's dumb, you know. In in my opinion, my yeah. <laughs> so if they would have if if they would have put Florida Stadium because they're a conference, ACC conference champ and undefeated, it was with Washington and Michigan. Who would, who should have been the fourth team at that point? In your opinion, your well, opinion. yeah. I mean, my opinion. I mean, I would say Texas. I mean. You, you know, because I mean, they beat Alabama and Alabama beat Georgia. Right. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, do I think that, do I think those are the four necessarily the, the four best teams? No, but I think, you know, last year we all thought that, you know, Michigan was, you know, going to curb stomp TCU and we'll look what happened. You know, they didn't yeah. even, you know, they got beat. And so, I mean, I don't know, like it's a, as you're looking at, you know, you can't ever really judge until yeah, you're on the hard. field. And that's what's, that's what we love sports. We don't just. Yeah. you know, guess and, oh, well, that team's be better. And so that's how it's going to go. I mean, we you play. And sometimes what you think is going to happen and sometimes what you think isn't. And that's what we love is when those things that we don't think are going to happen, happen. Yeah. Makes and it somebody fun. Somebody rises up. Right. That you didn't expect. Right. Exactly. Like, oh so I, I don't know. Like, I, that would have been me. But, I mean, I don't even know. I, I, I mentioned to you this before the show. But if I think if this had been the 12, we'd had 12 teams in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. I think that those the four teams – we would have we would have had you know Michigan one, Mich- uh, Washington two. We'd have had Florida State three and Texas four, and then Georgia and Alabama been five and six. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it would have gone. You'd have a hard time convincing me otherwise. But this year, I think they felt so right. much. We got to get Alabama in, yeah. and I don't know. We'll see. I mean, well, like Washington out of the Pac-12, which I guess pac 12s done. Yeah, the former Pac-12. That's sad. Yes. But anyway, it, yeah. no, it's 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 interesting because you've yeah. got you've got the the pack uh, the Pac-12 champ and a you know champion of a conference that's not going to be there. Then you've got the Big 12 champ who's actually not going to be in the Big 12 next year. Right. So I mean, there's just like everybody's you know scattered the wind. Right. And then you got FSU who really wants to get out of the ACC. Right. Even when they win it, they can't even get in. So it, uh, it's crazy. Well, and Washington's had some a lot of close games. With, mm-hmm. You know, but they did beat Oregon twice. They did, and you know, as far as Washington goes, you you it's hard. Like in a, in a season, I think anytime when you go undefeated, you're going to have to get some breaks. I mean, you look at last year TCU. I mean, they didn't TCU didn't go undefeated, but during the regular season they were, and they had a lot of games that they won right at the end, right at the gun. They had a good team. Now, I mean, I don't know what happened in the championship game, but you know, anytime when I look, even at Georgia, I mean, Georgia had had this great run. They still had games where they had to pull it out at the last minute, and so you know that it happens. I don't think that's a you know, and that could strike. be to Washington's advantage because I know they had a they had a tight, tough game with Oregon State as well as Washington State in the Apple Cup, mm-hmm. and there was a few others. Yep, and uh, even Boise State hung out with Washington into the second half. Yeah, they were one score away there in the third quarter. So I mean, yeah, maybe that just made Washington right. I mean, maybe the Huskies are just a little bit tougher. Yeah, you know, and and in terms of that experience of finishing. Right. It is tough. We'll see. Yeah, we will. I think it, I don't think it'd be fun. I mean, no matter, even though it's not necessarily the four I would have picked to put in there and not even necessarily the four I think that are the best right now. Yeah. Uh, I still think it'll be a fun, fun yeah. playoff. Yeah. Well, we got a little bit of time here. Now, I know you, you've written for Try Robinson, you've written uh, with him and for him, as well as Ed McGlasson, who is a former giant and Los Angeles Ram. And I've read, a, I've had a couple of his books mm-hmm. that I've gotten from you. And um, those are, Oh, so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. fathering. And then you've compiled quite a few different writings from various vineyard author, mm-hmm. authors, John Wimber, mm-hmm. um, various folks. What do you enjoy the most in all that and what you've done in the past? 
Well, I mean, I think, you know, just being as a writer myself, it's always fun to dig into other people's stuff and where do they get their inspiration? What are they writing about that yeah. make it so interesting? And, you know, how are they seeing scripture and thinking about how they see scripture through, you know, there are the lens that they see scripture through in the time, you know, what's going on in those times and things like that. So, you know, for me, I just, I really enjoy digging in and, you know, kind of listening. Okay. What is what the Holy Spirit was speaking to this person and how does that speak to me today? You know, like, what is that, you know, what can I not necessarily like just take from it, but you know, what, how can that shape my, mm -hmm. you know, perspective of maybe I never looked at this scripture, mm -hmm. this, this certain way. And this guy, this, you know, writer, man or woman or whatever has a unique, you know, perspective on it or something that the Lord was speaking to them at that time. Um, and I find really helpful. So yeah. I don't know it kind of encourages and builds me up. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the, those compilations as well as these are the books we're talking about, because I, a few of them I've, I've got from you to, to bless, you know, my staff, our mm -hmm. FCA staff, you know, and, uh, so that's good stuff. Well, Hey, we've got a little bit of time here. Now I just learned that you actually write fiction as well. <laughs> Yes, I do. Tell, tell us, you the listeners, a little bit about this the fictional novels that you're doing. Well, I seventy seven is that yeah right? yeah seventy seven novels. Oh my god, I just learned this about you. It's like it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so I I started writing. I had a friend who was writing, and I don't know, probably it was like twelve thirteen years ago. And I thought I I could I want to try this, you know, because I had never I thought I never could do it. Um, and I actually I used to only read nonfiction, never read fiction much, you know, other than what I did in school. Then I started reading. I was like, oh, there's all kinds of fun fiction. People write fiction stories that I want to read, you know, uh, like Jack Reacher books and, and Tom <laughs> Clancy and, you know, uh, you know, I, I, John Grisham. I really got into John Grisham, which is really cool. And uh, so anyway, and, and I would say this, like one of the things I, I got as I got into it, I, I was like, I want to write, write books that have this stuff in it, but not like full of a lot of the garbage, you know, right. and I'm reading I'm like, oh, you know, I have to read this stuff, but I didn't want so, to write. Uh, yeah. Trying to exclude language and, right. and other right other, yeah i mean yeah. language within reason you know i mean like mm -hmm. some of the stuff you like okay you know I, there might be a few words in there but nothing that would make your grandmother blush you know mm -hmm. i put it that way but i i still was like you know I, I i had read some fiction that was really me you know powerful to me like john uh john grisham's book the testament was one of my favorites and mm -hmm. it was actually i used to you know i used to write at ma or write for maf uh, out of nampa and they told me that that when John Grisham was doing research for that novel, he flew MAF and there's a pilot in there. Who's really a really interesting character in the novel. Wow. It's based off of, you know, an MAF pilot an actual wow. MAF pilot. But, you know, I was like, how can, you know, he's writing this book, millions of people are reading it, but there's still the gospel messages in there. You know, he's putting it in there. And I know, I know that he's a Christian, but you know, it's not like something that he publicizes, mm -hmm. but I was like, that is really, you know, I can do that too with these, you know, with these action adventure novels that people want to read mm -hmm. and make characters that have a lot of nobility to them, but aren't, you know, just this, you know, kind of caricature, you know, character, you know, just that don't really, the super macho and mm -hmm. not really, you know, somebody to be admired. So right. I don't know. So I want to do that. And I've had a lot of fun with that. And I've, I've been really enjoyed it when, when people, readers write me and there's something's different about this. I love it. But there's something different about this. There's something that's making them tick. That's different. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hey, so if people are interested in this, where can they find your work? Where can they go? So my, uh, my fiction stuff. Yeah. So yeah. So I write on the uh, pen name RJ Patterson. So it's uh, rjpbooks.com. That's rjpbooks.com. And you can get a lot of the series there, but they're more like, you know, special ops 
that kind of stuff, you know, find. So p- audio books, people. Audio books, uh, so e-books, could be a late minute Christmas. Yes, definitely. Right <laughs> you're, you're in trouble now, but no, it's this late. But no, yeah, you can get all that stuff. E-books, like all the versions of them. You get, you know, any kind of way that you want to read or hear the story that's there available. Wow. wow. So, How fun. Yeah. Well, it's uh, just such a pleasure and lots of fun to have you on the, the show today, Jason. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Ken. It's great to see you at church when we get a chance to visit from time to time and and uh, so thanks for, for being a hearted athlete and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. If you are interested in getting involved with FCA or would like to donate to the FCA ministry, you can contact us through the FCA Idaho website at fcaidaho.org. Join us next week for The Heart of the Athlete, a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho and KBXL, The Voice. Yeah.